You are listening to a Spark of Genius production. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Spark of Genius flesh and blood video. This is going to be the first interview we do with none other than the Italian stallion, the gold foil collector, the triple D, Dante Delfico. Dante, say hi. Hey there, guys. How is everybody? I'm happy to be on the channel. Fan of your work, even though I haven't seen any of it yet. You'll, you'll see it soon enough. <laughs> I really have zero videos. So I'm, I'm joined by my co, co-creator, co-caster, co-commentator, Mr. Rob McGally. Rob, say hi. Hey, guys. And Dante already crapping on the stream. You guys asked me on it. Like, it took about five seconds for him to take a massive dump on us. And uh, we'll see what he could do with upcoming Nats for other people. Uh, uh, so we got we got a couple things we want to talk about. Obviously, being a, right in the thick of CC season, obviously, Dante has been to every major event in North America. Um, so we're going to, we're gonna. I'm pretty sure that's a first for any American or Canadian, for that matter. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit, live vicariously through him, and see see how everything went. So we're going to start off with, by a bit of a, a bit of a preamble, a bit of a meta talk. So looking on here, I wanted to ask you, Dante, what are your thoughts of how kind of the tales of Arya heroes stack up versus the older heroes? Have you seen any, like, surprises in the events in terms of, like, a deck you thought was, like, hot garbage but turned out to, like, 9-0 into, like, top 8 or something like that? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, my like thoughts kind of echo the uh, the thoughts of the people, where uh, I think everybody thought old him was like not good, yeah. uh, and the next thing you know, the man is just like busting out wins everywhere. <laughs> True. Um, he seems to actually be a lot better than uh, than I had originally thought, and that I think a lot of other people had originally thought as well. Um, I think that right now he's just well positioned for the the meta that we're in, which is like super aggressive because he can just stop a lot of that aggression and still be able to put on some pressure himself. Um, but yeah, it was definitely surprising because I don't know going into like this most recent calling, I didn't think I was going to see any old him at all, um, and I saw a lot a lot of old. Him. Came out of nowhere. <laughs> Came out of the woodworks. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I guess everybody just found like the ideal build for him, and uh, yeah, they just hopped on, and, and that was it. And they just went crazy. Uh, as he had some pretty good showing at the uh, at the most recent calling, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, um, seems to be pretty good for sure. Mm, how uh, how comparable is he to Ice Lexi? Um, he's different. Ice Lexi is like a more aggressive and annoying deck, so. Uh, you'll find that like Ice Lexi is putting on a lot of uh, a lot of pressure while kind of stopping what you're trying to do, depending on you know what what type of deck you're on. Um, old him is more like I'm just going to annoy you so much that you won't even want to play the game by the time I'm finished with you. Basically, good shot. Uh, that's how I feel. Gotcha. Like, anytime I see an old him, I just like let out a giant sigh and I realize <laughs> that this game is going to last minimum 55 minutes. <laughs> and by the time I'm done, I will be so mentally taxed, I'll never want to play Flesh and Blood again, but I got to go to the next round after this. So. <laughs> You've got like um, four old hymns in a row. <laughs> yeah. Or at least with, like, with Ice Lexi, it feels like, you know, something's happening. I feel like right, I'm in the game. Interaction really, you're, yeah. you're not super in the game. They're, yeah, they're firing yeah. arrows. They're doing something. They got that Voltaire now. It's not like on Shiver. It's like at least loading three of a kind and like pushing damage back. And they're not just like... Yeah, you don't have enough cards to deal with me. That's fair enough. Yeah, okay. exactly. 
Fair enough. Uh, so kind of rolling into that, I know we kind of started talking a little bit about events here. So basically, what what's your take on the nationals that have already occurred as of recording right now for anyone who's watching? Canadian nationals are on the horizon, along with uh, a couple other nationals. Uh, coming up this weekend here, uh, but the ones, the bigger ones that have uh, already occurred are the UK one, the infamous 15 O'Briar, uh, the US Maple Leafs fan bringing it home with Briar in the, in the US, uh, any of the other regions. I know France had an interesting final. They had like, a control Reinar go into Bravo in that one. I think there was a Dash one in Malaysia, a Dory one in like something. I think Briar won Germany and Austria. I think it was the same build actually. Um mm. So, like, anything, anything, any hot takes on any of those nationals? I know you were very close to one of them, but uh, anything else? Yeah, so not necessarily, um, like, hot takes, I guess, but it is interesting to see that super aggressive, uh, like, Lightning Briar deck uh, winning a lot of these events. Uh, just because the deck is so new. Prior to UK Nats, people didn't really even know that the deck existed. Um, I... As far as I understand it, the deck was like created by Tarek Patel, who won the United States Nationals. Yep. Um, so like, obviously, he did a really great job with that deck, and I think that his intention was for the deck not to be leaked. Um, and then oh, I believe well. it was Chris Higashi who played it at the at the ProQuest and happened to do very well with it, and the yeah. deck got leaked. Um, and then Tarek or Tarek Tarek, I, I can't, I, I'm not sure uh, which he prefers, but. Um, I guess him and everybody that he tested the deck with, they were all kind of like, okay, well, I guess everybody knows about the deck. The cat's now. out of the bag, then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then next thing you know, in the next week, people had already picked up the deck, but it hadn't gained, you know, too much steam. Um, obviously, it didn't, it didn't win the pro quest. It came fourth, and people don't care about a deck unless it comes first. True. Um, <laughs> but then it's okay because, you know, somebody will take it to UK Nats, go undefeated with it, um, and now it got its first place showing for people to start caring and paying attention. And the next thing you know, it's like 90% of the meta at yep. U.S. Nationals and the, the calling the next weekend, which is pretty insane to think about how like how fast the deck can pick up speed. But yeah. I guess when something's like good and consistent, um, it's, you know, it's going to kind of gain traction. It's yeah. also like a very, a relatively cheap deck to build. It's a lot of like commons and rares and you don't really need any, you know, super expensive cards. The Majestics are like, because from Monarch, so they're not they're not that much. Um, there's not a and whole lot I'll, of legendary equipment that's necessary. I'll, I'll add in too that it's probably really easy to pilot as well, right? Exactly, yeah. And it's not like super difficult to pilot. Obviously, there are more complicated lines, and I think that you also have to like have a good understanding in terms of just you know general fundamentals. Um, but even if not, like you can still pilot that deck to success against most players. So yeah. Um, it was just, it had like the recipe for everything to kind of come together and make people just want to play that deck. Whereas I think if it was something like Old Him, which is a little bit more boring to play, probably yeah. takes a little bit more finesse. Um, just a little not, bit. Not necessarily everyone's play style. If that had been, like, if that had the same story, I don't think you would see nearly as many people kind of hopping on that deck. Fair enough. A, yeah. A deck for the masses, as they say. Um, mm -hmm. No, that, that makes sense. It's, a, it's kind of a good point making that like if, if it were a much more technically like you need a lot more reps in a deck something like uh oldham even even bravo for that matter just something that kind of seems like it's good is very very yeah. hard to be really good whereas 
uh briar kind of has that nice uh that nice clean kind of understanding and then you can bring yeah. it down levels it's, it's built just on the fundamentals of the game really you yeah. don't really need much else in terms of combo you know yeah. thought process it's more just like you draw your hand you play it out in the most efficient way possible without much thought really involved i mean yeah, from my no. experience at least uh, yeah i'm no, sure at no, a pro level fair. you're thinking a lot more than i would but you know it makes it more noob friendly to pick up yeah um yeah, so definitely more accessible in in particular i guess so kind of kind of landing on the u.s nats here what, what did you think about uh, i'm sure you probably saw uh probably some of the games in person or even online on the stream there because that was all the stream was doing uh had mm-hmm. two two chains in top eight had alexi and then there were five five briars i'm pretty sure it was five briars um and so what do you think about like that top eight and then kind of notable exclusions of uh very popular heroes, even like one event before, two events before, like Bravo, Prism, Dash, like the kind of the the big ones everyone thought there'd be like a big representation of. So why do you think that happened and what do you think of the top eight? Yeah, so I think that, um, I don't know where the Bravo players went, to be honest. I think that maybe they're just, I don't know, they just disappeared or they didn't do well in draft or something like that and they yep. weren't able to, to come yeah, that could to be the it. forefront. Uh, the prison players, I assume, all just got dunked on by like every deck that was there because I don't I don't know why people think prison prison is just not a good deck, man. <laughs> I don't know why people like that deck so much. The bluntness. And I'm sorry to prison players out there, but I just don't do not see like how anybody enjoys playing that deck or finds success with it. Um, and obviously, like that's not to say I've never lost to a prison before or anything like that, but. For the most part, I just feel like the deck is, you know, relatively inconsistent and is easily countered by a lot of things that people can like very like you can just put some cards that, you know, attack for six in your sideboard and you put them in against Prism, you just drop it and you end their turn immediately and then you just get to play the game again. Yeah, yeah, I remember like when Prism was a little more famous than it is right now. People would always just sideboard. Like if you were Dash, you'd put in your maximum velocities in your sideboard just to count the Prism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, the red yeah. yeah, when I was playing Chain, I'd put in like ninth blades, and I would yeah, just hold it in my hand and wait for it to attack, the and then you drop it. You just drop it on the field, and they'd be yeah. like, "Oh." My turn's over. Okay, I don't get to play the game anymore. And then you'd be like, "Yeah, sorry, buddy." Yep. And then you just you'd go from there, and then that was yeah. it. Can confirm. I remember uh, at the roads when I was roads at Calgary in my final game in the first in the first match, turn one, he phantasmaclasmed me. Saw two ninth plate of the oats. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I just sat G-G. there like, uh, so. Uh, so here are two cards, uh, and here are two cards yeah. where you can get rid of one of them. Enjoy. Yeah, um, yeah that uh... feels bad, man. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. That's the classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Prism, like, I'm, I'm not surprised not to see it at the top, to be honest, just because I, again, I personally don't do not just I don't think it's a good deck. Fair. Um, but then seeing Chain up there, like that two was the most shocking thing to me. I don't understand how they didn't run into any control decks that literally just blocked them the entire game without seeds. Even with seeds, like you had to be a really experienced and practiced yeah. to be able to beat fatigue on that deck. Yeah. You had to understand deck stacking and like counting your pitch. And not a lot of people knew how to do that. And people would kind of just try and luck their way into wins. They used to call the matchup 50 50 when literally it was yeah. 99.9 to 0.01. But um, so precise, you know. I, 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 but I digress basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know how the hell they they ended up at the top if they you know lucked their way into yeah. beating um, the control decks that just blocked them the entire time. Yeah. Or if they just didn't play against any control players because obviously Chain is like. It's the best aggro deck in the game, right? Yeah. It does things that no other deck does, which is just gains card advantage over the course of the game. And you can just block up early, and then you have more cards to play with than your opponent can ever even dream of having Yeah. Um, at, yeah. you know, turn three and onwards. Um, so obviously the deck is very good, and it, it has a good matchup into Briar simply because you are somehow more aggressive than one of the most aggressive decks yeah. in yeah. the meta. Um, you also have a husk, which you know is a big help when they're coming in yeah. for you know attack for five or attack for six. You just throw your husk in front of it. You don't have to worry, and then that's your pivot. And now you know you have your one card pivot, which doesn't take anything out of your hand, and you also have your seventeen card arsenal from all your shackles, and you're all set and you can just play. So it didn't super surprise. The only reason it surprised me to see it up there is because I would have assumed that they would have lost to the mm. you know the bravos and the old yeah. hymns and the dashes. And the Reinars, right. and literally the anybody who can just block the entire game <laughs> and deck you out. Um, yeah. So I don't know how they beat them. Obviously, they know something that uh, that I don't, and I don't think that they would have brought Chain if they didn't have a plan yeah. for those decks. It, um, it could be as well. Um, people just lowered their guard from, with Chain, yeah. right? Because One now it's like, okay, it. Seeds is banned, yeah. Yeah. Chain is gone. And so I'm sure that a lot of side decks changed in response to Chain being kind of a lot worse that, that he, than, he is, uh, or than he was before, right? So yeah exactly and i don't know like not not to take anything away from those players because obviously the, the the people who played chain are very good i think one of them uh ended up first seed out of swiss for for nats yeah michael I think. Um, and he was the You're calling right. champion the week yeah, before Cincinnati. So, yeah, michael, the guy, yeah. yeah he came in yeah. and played his chain i remember i think uh <laughs> they played he pretty he took the other chains list and then they played the mirror i think that That's was right. that was one that was the top eight game or the semis game it was a chain mirror and mm -hmm. the one guy, I for, uh, the name escapes me, they were just playing the mirror, and he played, pretty much played like eight Briars or something. Like, he pretty much only played Briars. Uh, mm -hmm. I said it yeah. in one of the interviews there, and I, I just saw it, like, because mm -hmm. when I was watching the, the belittle Minoism package, I was just kind of like, how do you not have to, like, Hyrule like Jesus to essentially make it that far? I <laughs> really right. don't... I'm glad that you said it. I don't want to be the one to say it, but yeah, I don't understand how these chain decks with, like, 20% blood debt are hitting every, like, blood debt card when they're banishing, and yeah. they just drawn to whatever they need. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to what, me, but There again... was one turn that, that Michael had, I think, blood um, four shackles, and he rolled, I think it was two... Um, what was it? Uh, two boundings one uh ghostly visit and then one other red i think it might have been unhallowed rights or something so he just won Four red cards just one 100 percent hit yeah. yeah i mean it, that's it, when that's when you kind of just look your opponent in the eyes and you go must be nice he attributed that win to him being really lucky and yeah. everyone saw that but it was it was pretty crazy to watch it no yeah for sure i think uh it's definitely a very like props to both of those players for piloting the deck through that they also had to do like they had to get three zero in drafts. They had to like they they had to get there. It wasn't simple. So not to take away anything from the players. The players played the deck very very well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was definitely a little bit surprising for me. And kind of rolling into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the callings because you went to all of them because it must be nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you pretty much immigrated there for a <laughs> month and then just came back. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of want to like I. I myself attempted to go to Vegas, got denied on yeah. several different levels. But um, 
walk us through kind of your experience at the callings the first major i mean uh, i know there were a couple like smaller american events way back when 2019 you know in in brendan's heydays when it was like 10 people playing the game but these are kind Mm -hmm. of the first Mm -hmm. big events and i kind of want to ask you like how were the events were they were they run well is there something you didn't see um between anything from vegas to orlando itself yeah so i think that all the events were actually run really well um the in vegas they had like their their testing period i guess which was the um aria yeah the premiere the world premiere yeah yeah so they had that and um that one did not run super smooth i'm not gonna lie to you uh that was a little bit uh bit messy messy. yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking that yeah, things were not starting on time. Uh, it was just, uh, it was kind of all over the place, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I had absolutely no faith whatsoever going into um, into the calling the next day that they were going to do a good job. Yeah. Um, and that they just completely flipped the script and everything was run on time. Um, there were basically like no issues whatsoever. Um, and it, it was pretty awesome, to be honest. Uh, I think that Channel Fireball did a really great job and that you know, that level of like consistency and quality for each event kind of continued um, and stayed yeah. the same for, for all of them. It's not like there was one event that was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them were, were really good and they were all, you know, extremely well run. Yeah. Uh, so that was good to see. I have one gripe about the events, which is uh, when you're at the the feature match table. Um, which you were like at, a, which you were frequently table. frequenting quite a bit. Yeah, they they basically don't allow you to think about your turn. If you take more than like 15 seconds to think, the judge always says active player needs to make a move hmm. um, or something. 15 seconds? Like, wow, even on like five card yeah. hands? Like... It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it's pretty wild. So there's, there's like no time to think. I don't know. You like can't think about your block. Um, like if you watch some of my, like I think it was my match, um, against uh it was one of my one from one of the limited callings i think it was cincinnati but i I can't really remember Mm -hmm. but you'll see me like look at the judge and then look back at my hand and then look back at the judge 10 seconds later because he's reminding me again that i need to make a move and it's like funny i gotta think here because i'm gonna lose the game if i don't think i can't (laughs) make the move that quick you're killing me but that that is like kind of everybody's gripe when they're on the feature match table but it's uh, i don't know it's like when i have 30 minutes left in my game and my opponent hasn't said anything to me regarding time um there should be a non-issue in terms of how long i'm thinking to make my move um especially in the top eight there should never be anybody telling me, you what? know, like you need to make your move. Did that did that happen in top eight? I thought it was only Swiss where they had the timers around. They, it ha- it does happen in top eight as well. Interesting. Um, it happened to me in Vegas, but I don't know. I was like the villain in Vegas because I was counting my deck and stalling. So you know, <laughs> I swear, I swear, yeah. the, I swear that I'm not gonna make a reel of like you counting your deck. I, I, I told myself I wouldn't. That's not going to be the intro to the video. Don't worry. It was just, man, okay, I want to I clear this up for the people right now. The reason that I counted my deck so many times in Vegas is not because I forgot about how many cards were in my deck. It's because I was counting for different scenarios in terms of what I would draw um, to make sure that what I was putting on the bottom would come into my hand and not be banished. So I was accounting for how many plunder runs were left in my deck. So I was counting for the number of draws that I could get from that. How many Artivores were left? How many draws I can get from that? Um, and if I didn't see any of them, or if I banished all of those cards, making sure that 
I know what's going to be coming up if I don't draw any additional cards as well. So but you just have the full decision tree. I can't remember how many cards are <laughs> Yeah, you were playing 4D chess while they thought you were counting. Yeah, like, big big, so big red Dante oh with the God. four count. Yeah. Oh, everybody <laughs> just loved roasting me, and then I became the villain of Fab overnight. Um, but you know what? It, it is what it is. I you're you're still me. you're yeah. still the hero in our hearts, man. It's all that matters. You just go there, represent us with the with the Canadian jersey. I mean, you, right, you're yeah. in so many pictures there. They think you're American at some point, but you're wearing the wrong jersey. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tariq um, is more. I, was, uh, Canadian to get off I did. I wanted to address that. I got. I have a public platform now, so I figured I should say something <laughs> about that. Oh, I'm gonna get this in post. Don't worry, guys. What do you got? <laughs> Um, yeah, so random comment a lot of people seem to make. Uh, you want to tell us about that final Swiss game in Orlando that you're, people are like, uh, yeah, the famous Dante Del Fico can't shuffle his deck properly. IP5 get roasted. It wasn't, it wasn't shuffling my deck. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of uh, misinformation that's going oh, on. Oh, tons. So basically... The reason that I got an IP5 is because I was in the washroom before my game. So this is the last round of Swiss. At this point, I'm undefeated in the tournament, and I'm guaranteed to make top eight. So you're 50-0, you're uh, right? Sorry, I just want to make sure. You're 15-0? No, so it was 10-0 at that point. Oh, it was day um, one, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so day one. No, no, it was day, it was day two. It was day two. So it was my last game of day two. There's oh, okay. 11 rounds of Swiss, and I had just finished round 10. I just played Matt Rogers and beat him, so... I was like very like sweaty and nervous, and I had to you know I had to go to the washroom. All right, it's fair. So it's, fair. It's, it's fair. It's fair. You're only mortal. Yeah, exactly. So I went. I talked to some people, and I was like, all right, you know, I left the. I took a walk. I left the venue, and then uh, I went to the washroom. Turns out, you know, the round got called while I'm in the washroom. So I come out of the washroom. I realize that the round has been called as I re-enter the venue, and I start doing my little speed walk slash jog uh, back to the table. <laughs> And the judge can see me because the judge is standing at my table because I'm not there yet. And it's very clear that I'm not there because it's table one. Yeah. Uh, so the judge can see me. He's standing there with my opponent. There is a giant crowd of people. And I see them like talking to him. And they told me after that they were saying, like, there he is. He's coming right now. I'm like, I think I'm about 20 seconds away from the table because, like, the table is all the way at the other <laughs> end of the room. Like, I'm, I got to walk like a mile to get there. You know what I mean? It's crazy. <laughs> Oh man! Um, so I'm 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 making my way down as fast as I possibly can, um, but you know, I'm a slow guy. All right. I also you know I, my legs don't work so good, so I'm 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 doing it as best I can. Oh my god! And, uh, people are telling the judge, and the judge is literally looking at me like I'm looking the judge in the eye as I'm coming over. Yeah. And the you know over the PA uh, the you know the voice intercom the, the head yeah. judge yeah was like. Um, the round has started, and like the judge is looking at me, walking. <laughs> Maybe I'm not full out sprint, but I'm walking pretty damn quick, okay? especially for my standards. I'm a pretty slow walker. So I get to the table, and the judge is like, You're late. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm sorry. I was in the washroom. And he's like, Well, sorry, I'm going to have to give you an IP5 and like blah, blah, blah. Do you understand what an IP5 means? And like this and that. I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Why? Why is this happening right now? And people told me after that I should have appealed it because I'm literally looking the judge in the eye and I'm about 
20 to 30 seconds late getting to the table I like it's not can't... like i'm like 15 minutes I late thought it was like okay, it was one i thought it was one to three minutes i i know i thought it was in the minute mark where you get an ip5 i, I didn't think it was so when i looked at the rules afterwards if it's a professional level tournament if you're anything more than zero seconds late oh it's literally <laughs> zero okay one yeah. millisecond yeah. like you could not be late basically period um, and I'm sure that if I had appealed it and I called the head judge over, like as the undefeated player, the head judge may take pity on me and be like, hey, listen, you know, everybody's got to take a crap every now and again. So <laughs> true. But this guy, I don't know. He was just not having it. And the last thing that I need is to start arguing with a judge yeah. because nothing good will ever come from no. that. Nope. And I don't want to make an appeal on this guy. And then he feels all like, oh, He's appealing my decision. Now the next time he calls me over, I'm going to be an asshole. Like, I just, I don't need that. Yeah, stuff. true. I mean, it's just, it, it's not going to help anybody. I'm already guaranteed to be in the top eight anyway. Yeah. So what yeah. do I care? Now I should have because I lost 20 ELO from that game. 20. Wow. All right. I'm gaining like 10 from wins. I lose 20 <laughs> ELO for that game. What the hell is that? Oh my god, it's the most yep. ridiculous thing. I almost won through the IP5 as well, have you know. But that guy ended up winning the calling, actually, so... Well, uh, there enough. you go. Fair I enough. mean, this is... By coming to the round late. <laughs> this is a great This is a great segue into the next one here. Looking looking back the the uh, Orlando calling, I know it wasn't that, wasn't that long <laughs> ago. Um, tell us what you were running and why. Kind of a brief kind of overview on how your matches went and how the... The, the top eight match went sure um so what i was running i was running lightning briar um same as you know 90 percent of the people who were there um I the reason like that i was running Cheerios. lightning briar is because i needed a deck to run before the event and i was kind of like up in the air on a bunch of different decks i didn't really know which one i wanted to play yep Lightning Briar is what I had been practicing the most the week before because I was helping um, Brendan test against it because he had his nationals coming up um, and we had a version of, a, of an Earthbriar deck that we wanted to run instead mm -hmm. that we had been working on. Um, our Earthbriar deck was very good and it beat basically every deck in the meta, but what it lost to was this Lightning Briar deck that we didn't know about until about a week and a half before. So we don't have much time to test against it or figure out how to beat it um so that's what i was playing i was playing a lot of lightning briar and we kind of we were up in the air between lightning briar and earth briar because we got the matchup down to like a 50 50. Mm -hmm. um, but i just felt more more comfortable on the lightning briar than i did on the earth build um and also brendan was kind of our guinea pig uh because he went into nats with earth briar did not do so hot and then <laughs> he, air quotes like, there. We were like, no Earthbriar, no Earthbriar. <laughs> so we all committed to Lightning Briar the next day for the call. <laughs> yeah, I just sacrificed Brendan and his poor Elo just yeah. down the street. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was a little bit unfortunate, but like we had, so prior to the calling, we had basically decided that, you know, we're going to commit to Lightning Briar because we just, we feel more confident in, in the mirror than we do if we take the Earthbriar deck in. Yep. Uh, and we feel like with the Lightning Briar deck, just based on like good, like in terms like general skill and fundamentals, um, we can beat most other players in the mirror. Uh, and we we had game plans for for other decks uh, because we had spoken to 
uh, the guy that won UK Nats, and we had spoken to uh, to Tark about matchups and stuff like that. So we were feeling pretty good. Um, but then I don't know what happened the day before Nats. Brendan was practicing with uh, with another guy uh, that we practiced with, Zach Bunn, um, who actually won the ProQuest this weekend. So he was the guy from Team Covenant, right? Yeah, he's he's from Team yeah. Covenant. He's Congratulations, uh, Zach. So Brendan was practicing with him when they got into Orlando. And I, I remember in our little group chat, Zach had basically said, I'm going to change your mind on Earth, Briar. <laughs> um, and I, I get to the Airbnb that we're staying in, and everybody's like sitting around testing. And uh, they're basically like working on the, the deck and the sideboard. And I was like, you're really switching to Earthbriar? He's like, yeah, I'm switching to Earthbriar. I'm really good about this. And then the next day, didn't go so hot. Um, and then we're all on Lightning Briar for, for the calling. Um, so that's kind of how it went. If he did extremely well with Earthbriar, I'm sure that I probably would have been on Earthbriar instead. Um, but I just ended up on Lightning Briar because, again, that's what I had been practicing the most the week before. Yep. Um, if it wasn't going to be Lightning Briar, it probably would have been like Dash or, or Rhinar or just something else but uh you guys know me i'm the ultimate meta slave so whatever is uh you know the most popular deck is probably what i'm gonna end up playing um, yeah. and that's what i did yeah fair enough um that's fair so you're on the lightning briar you get 11 and 1 you get top seed and you're staring at who in your top eight match Oh yeah, yeah. So that was great. Yeah, ten and ten and one. Oh, sorry, um, ten and one. Speed. And then right. yeah, yeah. I, I get Matt Rogers. There was so actually in Swiss there was basically in all my games of Swiss I felt very good, um, and I didn't feel like I was in a position to lose any of them, even with my IP five. Yeah. Um, but I did lose that one. Um, but there was one game I think it was round three where I just got like the I just got so unbelievably lucky it was crazy. Uh, like there was just no possible way for me to win this game unless like a, an insane scenario happens to my opponent where he it was a lightning briar mirror and he had to draw like all non-attack actions um, which he did but he drew a sonata arcanics and two blues so what he could have done is played the sonata arcanics and like pitched to make sure that he hit anything because we're both at one life at that point um, wow he plays the sonata arcanics forgets to pitch Asks if he can pitch afterwards. I say yes, but he only pitches a yellow, so he only sonatas for, for four. Only the yellow? He takes the top four cards off the top. Uh, it's three attacks and a razor reflex. Ooh. Puts them all back on top. <laughs> Makes a rune chance, oh. swings the sword. Oh. I happened to draw one of like the three blues in my deck that turn, so I can block <laughs> the rune chant. Um, and then I just take one card to block the sword, and then I just you know swing back on my turn, and I have a lightning press in my arsenal that I arsenal the mm. turn before, um, and I just hit him with the lightning press, and I win like that. And there was probably zero chance for me to win that game, but things just happened to go right for me. And then after that, I never felt like I was in a game that I could or should lose. Basically, did, did the I guy felt... check his uh, his fifth card to see if he had pitched extra for Sonata? If he would have no, hit exactly. <laughs> he didn't check the river. He just he just like that one out more. Yeah, he, he he didn't check. He didn't check. He kind of yeah. just you know he had a very sad look on his face. I, I felt bad, but I mean, yeah. Well, you I let him. You let him. I was pitch, playing. Though. I was playing to my outs, even though they were like very extremely slim. But yeah. if I you know if I want to win that game, I have to play to my outs. I played to my outs. My outs just happened to give yeah. me the one percent chance Star of that happening. 
um, and I ended up winning. And I think that that's something that a lot of players, like, they don't do. They kind of just, like, accept their loss and um, just kind of move on. But I think that as long as you're playing tier outs, you'll put yourself in the best chance to win, uh, you know, any game that you're playing. So there was that one, and I was feeling good. I was riding high. And then I'm hearing them call out the top eight over, oh, top eight over the intercom. Um, and, of course, the eighth name they mentioned is friggin' Matt Rogers. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> Can't so get great. enough so of I got to play Matt. Yeah, I got to play Matt in my first game of top eight. It's like, yeah. oh, great. Okay, so sweet. Which is good because I know that if I beat Matt Rogers, then I win the calling. Um, because who else is going to stop me after, you know, I have that kind of momentum going into <laughs> yeah, the that, games. Yeah, that's insane momentum, yeah. <laughs> So I'm feeling good. I had already beaten Matt in Swiss already, so I knew that my deck could beat his. The Viscerai deck that he was playing did have a very good matchup into Briar, um, and we had discussed it before uh, after our game um, and just kind of talked about it. So I knew that you know going into it, he did have the advantage, but for the most part, I did feel like I could beat him. Um, and we had an extremely close game, um, a really, really good game, but he did end up taking it in the end. Uh, ruined my calling dreams. Uh, and then there you go. Now I got to wait for another yeah. calling. <laughs> I can try that one instead. So special thanks to uh, Matt Rogers and Sebastian Cavallo for ruining my callings. Um, if you had to lose to somebody, though. <laughs> if yeah. you had to lose to somebody, you might as well be Matt Rogers. Well, that's what I said at the end. It was like, if I'm going to lose to anybody, at, at the very least, I'll lose to Matt Rogers. And then Matt proceeds to lose to uh, to Joel. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, how are you going to beat me and then lose <laughs> to Joel? At least take it all the way, yeah. Yeah, seriously. If you're going to beat <laughs> me, just win the whole to event. Give me so the courtesy so of winning. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my yeah. God. It's just so sad. But uh, it happens. I'm sure at some point the the like they recorded it. So yeah, they'll, um, they'll put it up the, eventually. Uh, we we yeah, were trying yeah, to get yeah, the footage be before today. I really so want to watch it. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. I got I got hit with two free ninth blades. So I mean, the Briar deck already can't block very well, and certainly yeah. cannot block arcane damage. So imagine <laughs> two ninth blades with like nine room chance, nine plus room chance. It's like half your health just twice in, in a game. Yeah. yeah, that's twice in a game, and I can't block any of it. So what am I supposed to do? You just sit there and you go, all right, yeah, cool. I'll just lose. Thanks. Play to your outs, but your out is just early dinner. So uh, <laughs> you got you got the gold foil. So that's that's the last question out of the calling. So what was the gold foil? How many do you have now? Because you seem to be stacking these things like uh, like dollar bills here. And how important are the events like the calling and these kind of bigger events in terms of like banking PTIs? Like, are you looking at like? getting as many as possible to go on pro tours or are you just kind of like it's a second like you don't really care about it that that, that kind yeah. of that kind of thing so for me the main thing about like top aiding these events is the ptis um, okay because it guarantees spots in the pro tour um the first one was like a, a sigh of relief basically because i was i was able to get that which like guarantees my spot on the pro tour uh but now i have two so i have one for the pro tour and one for worlds um, which is nice, and hopefully I can get another one this weekend at Canadian Nationals. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but if I can, then that would like that would I would feel very comfortable with where I'm at because even if I do poorly in one pro tour, I still have another PTI that I can uh, cash in to go to another pro tour and still have one left over to to go to Worlds. Right. Um, but my goal was always to have two, at least two, and whether that's getting it at Nationals or any of the calling events. 
Um, at the very least, I would be able to secure my spot on the Pro Tour and have something to go to Worlds because I always have to save one to be able to go to, to Worlds next year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's always super important. Um, in terms of the gold foils, I have three now. Um, the first one I got was a Mask of Momentum, and that was for um, the one the first player in Canada to hit a thousand experience. XP. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was there. I remember that. That was a grind. That was a harder grind than all of the callings put together. I I can Um, imagine. Yeah. 4 a.m. skirmishes in Greece or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, that was uh, Jesus. Too much. Uh, I would never ever do that again, and I would never wish anybody to do that. Not even the worst. That was way, way, way too much. Uh, But then after that, I got one for top eighting Vegas, and I got one for top eighting Cincinnati. Uh, the Vegas one was a husk, which was like the most depressing thing that could happen to me because I see my, you know, the other competitors opening Grasp of the Arknight and Brave Forge Bracers. Um, another mask, I think, was given out of Vegas as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I open mine. I come third at the event. Third. All right. Third. And I get a husk, which is probably the second worst one next to Valiant Dynamo. So that was Dynamo. depressing. Um, and then in um, in Orlando, I got Stormstriders, which was nice because I basically I <laughs> I had them record my reaction. Um, I had Brendan and Hayden record my reaction uh, when I opened it because I told them that if I got a husk, I would openly weep in the venue, <laughs> um, and I didn't care who saw it. So <laughs> I was very happy to see Stormstriders. Oh, yeah. Um, because, yeah, if it was a husk or a dynamos, that like that would have been it for me. I think uh, I think that would have been the final nail in the coffin. I think. I, I wonder why. I wonder why the husk is so undervalued because it's such an important card in chain, right? I like, know. It's a, hey, listen, it's a useful card. You're asking the wrong guy, Rob. Hey. I would love to know from the collectors. <laughs> I will also say it is one of the nicest looking gold foils as well because it has nice like card. gold. It has gold like in the actual oh. carrion husk itself. Like there's additional like gold inlays. It looks yeah. good. Um, it looks way upsell. better than the mask, in my opinion. But nobody cares about it. They and the mask doesn't have. Moment. It doesn't have the gold inlay as well, right? It's the just mask the border, is just right? the border, I think. I think. Yeah. So the, like the arcane rising. The yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The arcane rising and the welcome to wraith um, gold foils are basically just cold foils with a gold border. Um, but without the, the in-picture foiling, right? Exactly, like, yeah. And then the, the Monarch and the Tales of Aria ones, from, from what I understand, and from what I've seen anyway, yeah. they have actual, like, additional gold inlay in the actual, like, yeah. picture itself. They're cooler, but nobody wants... <laughs> the Phantasmal footsteps are so beautiful. <laughs> I know, yeah, dude, it's crazy. Even the dynamos look really good. Like, there yeah. is, like, additional sheen, gold on the gold boost. Sheen. Yeah, you're going to have to... Gold before. They're going to have to put money into those. you gotta, you got to put up... Put up or, or or that's it. I mean, if people if people don't think it's worth it, I mean, I'm, I'm not the one buying gold foils, so it's it's about uh, I don't know finding the right buyer, I guess. So good to know about that. Kind of looking forward, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of videos, we have Canadian nationals coming up this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. We're recording it, I think. I think we're recording two days before it starts. The the day one, two days or one, no, three days before it starts. Yeah. Um, I guess two days for you guys, three days for me. Um, but kind of a couple questions on that for you. Just wondering kind of what your thoughts would be on, on what kind of meta breakdown you're expecting. Is it 
90% briar are we gonna see some spice are we gonna see some like wacky lists coming in um i don't know something tells me we're gonna see the the 90% briar. the 90% like if i ask briar? you two what you're on i almost i'm almost positive you're both gonna say briar so just well, just yeah. let me have it what, do you, what unless... are you guys on for nets oh i'll i'll i'll, I'll, I'll go <laughs> I'll know on Thursday when I put my deck together. Enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still have to de-sleeve. You know how yeah. you know I'm still using some of my skirmish sleeves that are ungodly amounts of dirty when we do like 20, 30 skirmishes. Yeah. The amount of dirt that goes on these sleeves, and then I'm just like, are my hands really that dirty? I'm like, oh yeah, they get pretty sweaty when you're playing like I, six, seven, yeah. eight Swiss Swiss in some of these skirmish events. But I took a wet yeah. wipe and just wiped all just of my wiped sleeves. All of them? My recent, I, I should, but like my I, I got dash deck, I just wiped every sleeve. I gotta, I gotta. You, gotta, not, you guys gotta see the sleeves on my Ira deck. You can. No, ask I don't. Them, like, I don't want to see the yeah. Mike played with my Ira deck at Steve's uh, locals one time, and yeah. he was disgusted. I, I bet, I bet he has some things to say about that. Uh, <laughs> had to take a shot after for rabies. Or oh rabies. my god! Um, yeah, I need to. I also, I just need to resleeve because sometimes I handle my cards awkwardly when I'm playing online. So I don't want to get called for marked sleeves or whatever, like damagedly get a judge over for like yeah, yeah, he's no, I, I don't want any chance of that so i'm gonna resleeve whatever i'm doing the night before yeah. literally and not play with that deck until the tournament starts um so that's you know fair some people maybe to answer the meta or to, to chime into the meta question some people looked at matt rogers viscerai list and they got a little excited so you might see some more viscerai i know i was pretty excited i got excited to see that. I, I, yeah. I looked at that deck i think uh what Nick Nick and Butcher's deck that Matt Rogers piloted? I got to give him credit. Obviously, he built the deck. Uh, I think. Yeah. Anyways, but point is, that it's a very, <laughs> it's a very nice looking deck. Um, kind of looking into the the next question here, Dante. What hero do you think will come out victorious? What cuisine will reign supreme? Hmm. I think it. I don't know. It depends on like gem matchups and stuff, but I would not be. Gem is going to be the real winner, I guess. Gem <laughs> usually is the real winner, um, but yeah, it really depends on on gem matchups and things like that. Um, obviously, if Briar is the most represented hero there, which I firmly believe that it will be, yeah, um, that will probably end up being the deck that that takes it out. But if it's not going to be a Briar, it's going to be a Bravo or an Old Him. Um, mm, okay. Because they're just going to fatigue the Briars. And beating fatigue, especially beating Old Him, is like, oh my god, it's so hard. <laughs> You'll win um, the game and inflict mental damage on your opponents. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like, it is extremely difficult. Like, it's definitely not something that's easy to do. And you have to have a game plan and, like, your entire, like, side deck board uh, to, like, to know exactly towards... what you need to do, exactly, to go yeah. into something like that. Um, and I don't think that a lot of people do. Um, and I can tell you, like, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to beat it, because uh, Fair I don't enough. know when the podcast is going to come out, but maybe I'll tell you <laughs> after Nats. Um, but you do need to do some pitch stacking, which not a lot of people know how to do either. So um, that'll make it extremely difficult. And I know that it, there's going to be at least one person on old him, Demos. Um, so <laughs> just giving I mean, that out for free. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will give that out for free because Demos has already given it out for free. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> there's going to be at least one person on old him. So if you don't know how to beat it, you better be prepared to take a loss, like an instant loss, basically, because that's what it ends up being um, in Swiss. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're not 100 percent prepared to to take on like these fatigue decks. 
And there's a lot of decks that can do it. I've seen people fatigue on Dash, Oldham, Bravo. I've seen it on Reinar. I've seen it on Dorinthia. I've seen it on any deck that has block so threes and can run the Fate for Scene and Sync below, which is every deck. Um, like they, can, they can fatigue you. Um, and it's, you know, it's not super duper easy to, to come out on top of that. Obviously the ones that do it the best though are Bravo and, and Oldham. Um, so I think that if we don't see one of the, you know, the 90% of the Briars that, uh, that are playing there win the event, uh, it will probably be a Bravo or an Oldham player who has just been fatiguing Briars all day and taking like free W's because, you know, that's just what they're playing in the tournament. And That's can right. Briar side deck effectively against like an Ice Lexi player? I guess you just run higher um, pitch, few more blues maybe. Yeah, Ice Lexi is another extremely difficult matchup. Basically anything Ice, um, but Ice Lexi I think is a lot harder to pilot, and it's a lot harder to make a good Ice Lexi deck and like understand what you need to sideboard and everything. Less consistent I, as well, probably. Yeah, I think that some there's somebody forget who it was his name is isaac i just don't remember his last name um but he does the um the attack action podcast um and he actually top aided on on ice lexi yeah i think um, i watched that game i, I think remember, a lot of people were a little shocked, of a kind and I cried, and that's yeah it. so he got like unbelievably unlucky i'm pretty sure in the in the top eight i haven't yeah. actually watched it myself yet um, it was pretty insane i remember the moment he played his three of a kind the commentators yeah, and the no casters. Yeah. The casters the were like basically they were talking about how he was gonna have lethal this turn. It's like, oh yeah, plays three of a kind, like, just okay, passes. what arrow is he gonna play? Is it gonna be blah blah blah, this, this? And then he just kind of ends his turn. <laughs> he just passes and it's oh, just no. like oh poor and guy. Like, what? Oh, what so... happened? <laughs> he's um yeah. he's also he came in C two, I think. So like he had he was uh, right under the so he had other than the first, other than the first seed chain player, he had first he had um, pick choice for for pretty much yeah. all of his matches. So it was you know, a little would, yeah, a little depressing. The right pick, I think that's that's pretty much a guarantee. It's just that he was winning that game. One mm -hmm. more turn, he would have had lethal most likely. And yeah. with like a six card hand or six or seven card hand after playing Sea of a Kind, like he had you know a huge chance of drawing an arrow but just just whiffed and the chat went wild commentators were like questioning <laughs> questioning life, questioning like, life like, decisions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i feel really bad for him that was a sad loss yeah, yeah no i i talked to him after uh, after the event because uh, i had met him and and taylor in vegas they're the ones who who do the uh, the attack action podcast and he was in he was in good spirits so i don't think he was too too sad about it um, yeah. A top eight is a top eight, so yeah. um, and, even uh, if you don't end up winning the event, obviously you know you're there to win. But um, for the most part, like if something like that happens to you, you just kind of got to accept it for what it is. And you know, it's like getting double strive. razor reflexed uh, in a chain mirror. <laughs> one day that, that, that doesn't happen. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the stuff of dreams. Um, I remember yeah, exactly. hearing one of his interviews with the with one of the um, people at at the calling or at, at nationals rather, and. Um, he, he was talking about how he felt lucky just to be in top eight. I don't think he expected to be there. So I'm sure that what you said corroborates that story where, like, you know, yeah. it happens and then you just got to smile at it and move on. Yeah, I think, like, Ice Lexi is obviously not a very easy deck to pilot either. Um, and it's one of the more uh, expensive decks to build just because of the the sheer amount of, like, legendary armor that's, that's in it. Um, 
which is why I don't think you'll see too many. Same thing with, with Oldham. Oldham mainly because people really do not enjoy like the strategy that you have to employ to win your games. Um, everybody just likes going fast. Like nobody likes playing super slow. So Beat down. that's why I think it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's unlikely that you will see like a lot of them. I think that if people are trying to target the meta and have a good understanding of how to play those decks and they play them, they will see a lot of success because they do really like very easily just take a dump on Briar basically. And if 90% of your games are going to be against Briars and you can like, you can, you just have a buy against Briar, then there's almost no reason not to play one of those decks, which is why like, I can't say that I'm fully committing to Briar now, despite like my success in the, in the recent calling event, because if I can just bring something that counters Briar, why would I not just do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the plan before Orlando was let's just find a deck that counters Briar and play that. Um, but we weren't able to come up with something that was consistent enough to beat the other decks in the meta. Um, just because the, like there wasn't enough time, basically, because we found out about this Lightning Briar list. So you switched late. really late, yeah. But I've had a week since Orlando, you know what I mean? So... Yeah. We'll see if I'm able to bring anything. There's the Matt Matt Rogers uh, and Nick Butcher Viscerai list as well, um, but that's another. You know, it, you can't just like autopilot play no, that, that deck. That's you a good thing exactly. you're doing. Yeah, there like there's different game plans for every single deck. You have to understand how to beat every single deck. So it, yeah. like it's not easy. It's difficult. Um, hey, I look I forward to his deck tech video. I'm gonna be on yeah. that for sure. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Like it, they're all like difficult decks to play, um, which is why you know I think that if people were you know using their noggins, let's say, and they really wanted to have a very strong chance of of winning the event or at least top eighting, uh, those are the decks that they would bring. They would not be bringing Lightning Briar, but I think that due to the amount of experience that you need on those decks, it will probably deter a lot of players uh, from. From playing them, which is why I think the meta will still just be ninety percent Briar. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, that kind of like went through the next question too. Okay, so I guess uh, the next one is more like about structure-wise, like the combination of the fact that it is CC and draft, and that for someone mm-hmm. to get to top eight in like the UK or the Canada or, or some of those levels, the ones I guess just smaller than the US, essentially, but not open registration, mm-hmm. you need to essentially play um six six cc's and then one pod of draft and then if you qualify for day two another pod of draft to get into uh the top eight so really like who do you think does this benefit a certain type of player or like what do you think of the format in general for nationals and um how do you like how do you think it could be changed if if it needs to be changed yeah, so I think it's cool. I like that they're implying two different um, like modes, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like they're, it, I like that it's CC and draft, so um, it's not just, you know, if, oh, if you're the king of CC, you can just kind of roll everybody. Damn. Um, right. Like you also right. have to be good at drafting. Like you'll notice, if you look at the ELO leaderboards right now, I'm very highly ranked in CC. I'm not very highly ranked in sealed and draft. <laughs> I really suck at sealed and draft. That's something that I've noticed um, about myself as I play through these callings, is that I'm just not a very good sealed slash draft player. Um, 
So am I? Am I worried about it? Yeah, you bet. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, same, same. I, like I don't know about you guys, but I haven't been practicing very much draft, and I think that a lot yeah. of people are in the exact same boat. Where it's like, yeah, I've played you know one draft at locals at a Tales of Aria pre-release event six yeah. weeks ago. But you got to get a, get a hold of first edition product. Yeah, to that's, be able that's to the do it. that's the other like the fact that yeah. we only had first ed product to draft with, which is not for yeah. a big yeah. piece of the player base. Is not that easy to find a store willing to host drafts with first set project product mm-hmm. let a node buy the product and like find a bunch of friends to chip in for a box price that started at like 170 180 canadian a box so yeah i found that like a little odd like maybe that'll be changed later on i do agree that having draft means your your national champion is a fairly balanced a well-balanced player to be able to like do well mm-hmm. in both formats so i, I kind of agree with you there kind of jump jumping into the, the the final couple questions here the um the supplementary set that was kind of teased a little bit um, for I think January. So like, Crucible was the last supplementary set, and I think it was it was said that they'll get support for all the heroes, which yeah. I honestly can't even fathom because even Crew having that many cards uh, yeah. kind of shocked me a little bit. So I'm kind of wondering what are your thoughts on like what heroes are you looking to maybe bring back into contention, play more of with some fresh support, bring Dash back into the meta? Question mark. You know. Oh, I can't wait for for more mechanologist cards. Um, my only fear is that they don't help Dash, and they're for like Data Doll or some garbage oh, like that. It's definitely for Data. Um, let's be. That right. would be probably the most depressing way for those cards to come out. Um, I hope I get if a they Data don't really. Here. Yeah, if they're just bad for Dash, like none of them block. It's a bunch of items. It's like, oh, okay, very yeah. cool. I'm just going to go cry in the corner now. Um, I hope yep. it's more like boost cards and not items. Um, that's my main like hope for the cards that are going to come out uh, in terms of the the mechanologist stuff. Um, but I, I'm just looking forward to every class getting you know something new, something spicy. Um, shake up the I meta a little that, bit. Exactly, it really shakes up the meta. Um, and with crew, like there are so many different ways to like play the you know each hero um, that came out because of Crucible of War. Um, uh, and just so many different decks that you're you're able to build and, and come out with. I think that the supplemental set will be uh, really huge for just breathing some some life back into the game. Um, especially after you know, like after all of these callings and nationals and stuff. Yeah. Especially after skirmish season that's coming up, like I'm gonna be a little burnt out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what what better way to suck me right back in than to release a bunch of cards for every class? Now I gotta go start deck building again. I gotta go see uh, what works. I gotta go back to locals to practice. Um, so I, I think it's really cool, and I think that the in terms of like the the timeline that they have for everything to be released, I think that they've kind of done that perfectly yeah uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really great and having like a spoiler season through december uh maybe mm-hmm. on the you know december 25th they reveal the best card in the set it's and christmas it's a christmas present every christmas day. uh old him <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's old him yeah <laughs> yeah that would be pretty cool if they revealed like the the um the legendary jewel or whatever it is i don't know what it was in the rudy promo kit it looked like a, like a metal look yeah, like it's something that's yeah. not environment that's all. It's not yeah. like a land or something or whatever, which yeah. is uh, getting a little, like a, side, like a, jewel. a little old at yeah. this point. Would be but... a, would be a cool spoiler um, on on yeah. Christmas Day. I can tell you that much. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that they're they're kind of doing everything right right now, um, and I think that what what we saw from Crucible in terms of you know how it shook up the meta and how it allowed different decks to be built and played, 
Um, I'm just looking forward to more of that when the next supplemental set comes out. And I think the supplemental sets are super important for the game uh, from like a, a constructed standpoint, uh, which is my favorite way to play. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be great. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, we just got one final question for you here. So I know you mentioned already being burnt out, but like between you and me, I don't think you ever burn out after watching you play skirmish. So um, are you <laughs> are you uh, are you planning on heading out to uh, the great old Europe for their uh, December December fourth to Utrecht, I believe, for their calling? So initially, uh, so basically, Utrecht got. Um, I think it was. Uh, announced just before uh, the Vegas calling was uh, like went down. I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. um, but just before like the Vegas calling had started, uh, and I basically told myself that if I didn't get a PTI, like I didn't top eight any of the <laughs> four calling events, that I would go to uh, Utrecht to try and get my PTI there. Um, fortunately, you know, I've I've been in a position where I was able to get two PTIs um, from the most recent events. So I do not have to spend $2,000 on a plane ticket to go to uh, Utrecht to play, yeah. uh, which is good. Uh, I'm looking forward to sitting at home and watching a calling. Yeah, um, it's a nice experience. Instead of actually <laughs> going to for one seat. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Hey, listen, when the uh, Blitz calling was going on in, in New Zealand, that was like one of my favorite viewing experiences oh, yeah. of all time. I that was, just that had was my feet up. I was ago. just chilling, watching Ira just tear through the entire no, event. Was some awesome. I'm pretty sure there was some Kano in there in, in the top eight there. Yeah. There, there was some Kano as you got to the higher tables, yeah. yeah. But it, it was just, it was really, it was really fun to watch, and I, I do, you know, quite enjoy watching Flesh and Blood uh, yeah. as much as I love playing it. Um, it'll, it'll be nice to be able to kind of sit back and, and just watch instead of actually having to be there and participate and, um, yeah. and do all that. As much as I'd love to, um, I'd also, you know, love to save a little bit of money. Yeah, because uh, uh, I can tell you right now, these four callings, you know, they really eat away at your wallet. Pretty that, uh, <laughs> our exchange rate's not great. You know, I just, I just want to yeah. see that. I just want to see that step counter after, uh, after Orlando, after that match. I just want to see the, the increase yeah. in steps running to feature matches, um, which, which is, which is fair. So basically, is there like a next major event you're looking forward to? And I know Worlds is, wasn't announced till like Q4 2022 or something like that. Is it, mm-hmm. is it the Pro Tours? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're kind of looking forward to as the, ne- the next major event? Well, next major event that I'm looking forward to is Canadian Nats. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, major... I with the yeah, I guess it meant people that. show up, <laughs> sure. If yeah, it okay, happens, past sure. Canadian Nats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the Pro Tour. Um, what I'm really looking forward to, though, is uh, a calling event in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I would like to, I want to travel to New Zealand, and I think that, you know, having a calling event there would be a good excuse to do so. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be a lot of fun. So I'm hoping that there are, well, there will be a calling in New Zealand at some point next year. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, and if it kind of like intertwines with, uh, with a Pro Tour, like it's the, the pro tour one weekend and then the calling the next weekend that would be really cool you could get in super you know, efficient a week of traveling and two events uh yeah and you know while you go to visit which would be i don't know it would just be awesome so uh, i think that would be a lot of fun and that's probably what i'm looking forward to most obviously the pro tour would be cool but i think visiting uh new zealand and like playing a calling there where the game was was created yeah uh, you know shake james white's hand when i win um it would just be super cool so and here's the hoping we get some callings here in Canada at some point. 
Yeah, here's there, hoping. There'll, be a, there'll probably be a Toronto one next year, I assume, uh, once the yeah. uh, COVID restrictions, uh, you know, go down a bit. But yeah, they're already kind of easing up as you know as time goes on. So I'm sure that sometime next year we'll be fine and we'll we'll get one. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, that's all that we had. Appreciate you coming on to the coming on to our show inaugural interview with Mr. Dante Del Fico. It was a pleasure having you. Probably bring you back for some. Other videos, interviews. If you win more, we'll have you on more. That's just how it works, right? So uh, happy, happy to. And I gotta win more. I like being here. You guys are my boys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you in a couple days. But uh, to all yeah. our viewers, thank you for uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you guys at uh, our next uh, our next video. Thanks for watching. Bye. See you guys.